Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. We once considered this the worst thing on the internet until this current presidential election came along. Damn it. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, they sometimes are irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast for those of you of legal smoking age, wherever you might be listening to it. I am your host, Brian Levine. Tuesday night, getting ready for uh, my week of vacation next week. I can't wait, but uh, more on that in just a minute. Uh, in tonight's show, in Pipe Parts, uh, going to kind of dedicate Pipe Parts to Tony Soderman and talk about the uh, the last, uh, the late, maybe the last generation of great collectors of pipes. Uh, my guest tonight is Henshou Xiao. Henshou is a uh, Chinese native living in Mississippi. I met him uh, at the uh, New Orleans Pipe Show and was introduced to him by uh, John David Cole of the Country Squire. So we'll talk to him. Mailbag, music, rant, all that coming up in uh, tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, so I mentioned uh, next week is vacation. Well, last Friday, the uh, United States announced that uh, we can now legally bring back Cuban cigars and Cuban rum. There is no restrictions on product being brought back when an American is abroad uh, for uh, Cuban products. So, guess what? <laughs> I, you know, I've got to bring back at least four or five Cuban cigars. I'm not a not a big rum fan, so that's not gonna that's not gonna do a thing for me. But you know, I've got to at least bring back four or five Cuban cigars legally and uh, not have to worry about it. The so I've already done the research, and one of the uh, one of the ports that we're stopping in does have a authorized La Casa de Habanos uh, uh, store there. So if you're going abroad and you want to bring back Cuban cigars to the United States, do the research, find the Casa del Habano store where you're going. Make sure that you get authentics because, especially in the Caribbean and uh, and Mexico and Central America. There's a lot of fake product out there, uh, but we can bring it back. Now, the interesting news is, <laughs> under current FDA regulations, uh, the Cuban cigars were not on the market as of February 15th, 2007. Therefore, they won't be allowed to be imported into the United States and distributed widely without going through the pre-market approval process. So I wonder what that'll be. <laughs> Anyway, at least we can buy them while we're out running around, so I'll let you know how that goes when I get back. All right, everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company, and here we go. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe 
to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes autumn evening so well-loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. Welcome back. All right. In uh, before we get to our guest, the uh, this past week, Tony Soderman, known to many as Mister Can, C A N on uh, on eBay, passed away. Uh, I wasn't I, I wasn't even aware that he was in poor health, but apparently he had already shut down his eBay store. Uh, Tony was, uh, you know, besides a besides a good guy to to talk to at a pipe show and hang out with. Tony was a vast knowledge of pipes, especially from the '30s into the '60s. He had a collection of Canadians that is that that will never be surpassed. I mean, the longest shanked pipes you'd ever see, and if you can. Uh, Google search around for pipe shows where Tony might have had his personal collection out. Uh, many times when you'd see him at a pipe show, it was just the stuff that he was that he had for sale or for trade. Uh, but occasionally he'd bring out his collection of just super long shanks. I mean, 14, 18, 20 inch long pipes. Uh, Tony was the uh, was the guy that I would go to when it was time to learn about uh, Sassini's in particular, and and that's why the, this whole thought process got me going with uh, with the the last of the great collectors generation. Uh, when I think of Barlings, I automatically think of Tad Gage, uh, Sheraton. There are numerous Sheraton collectors that have just a wealth of knowledge about the company and the product. And they'll bring them out and display them. Uh, Costello has a good following of a couple of core collectors that buy and collect, including uh, John Seiler, who likes the donkey nut shape. Uh, is this the is this generation, which are all just a hair older than me and and uh, and older? Are these guys the last of the great collectors of a specific brand? Um, going around to pipe shows, I really don't see any collections being shown anymore, but I do, and I, and I don't really hear about, um, people collecting or researching or looking for one particular brand or trying to fulfill a complete set of something that are from my age or younger. Um, if you're out there, let me know, let me know what you are collecting and searching for. Uh, Tony was, uh, his, his primary, uh, <laughs> primarily he was a lawyer and I used to tease him about being a, uh, being a lawyer that I actually like talking to. Uh, Tony was always very sharply dressed, sometimes in a, uh, in a full white suit with a shirt and tie. Um, Tony was always, it was amazing the knowledge that he had on each pipe that he had, even the ones for sale. Yeah, he'd talk about where it came from, what he had to do to it. Uh, I have a couple of Tony's of pipes that I've bought from Tony or traded with him 
that are in my permanent collection, and I'm smoking one of them right now in his honor. Um, Tony was also uh, very funny, and to uh, to show how funny he was, his his uh, roommate at every pipe show and his traveling mate is uh, Reverend Rolf, and uh, <laughs> Tony told the. Tony told the joke to me, and I'll uh, I'll tell it to you here. And this is this is not doing any justice to it compared to Tony. Uh, Tony said there was this older couple, uh, both widows, widow or widow, uh, you know, living in a nursing home in their early nineties, and they fell in love with each other, and they both wanted to, uh, you know, they they fell in love with each other, and they wanted to get married. So from the nursing home, a group of them got into a van and were driving to the church and the van got hit by a bus and they died instantly. Uh, This older couple, not married yet, gets to uh, St. Peter, gets to the pearly gates and St. Peter says, welcome to heaven. Please let me know, do you have any questions? And the lady says, well, St. Peter, we were on our way to church to get married. Can we get married in heaven? St. Peter says, well, just, just wait right here. Wait here, I'll, I'll find out and I'll come back. Uh, St. Peter's gone for five minutes, then ten minutes goes by, then an hour, now there's a little bit of a line to get into heaven. A day goes by, still no St. Peter. The line to heaven is getting longer. A whole week goes by, no St. Peter yet. And then finally, after two weeks goes by and the line to heaven is as long as you can see, St. Peter comes back and says to the couple, yes, you can get married in heaven. And they say, oh, that's wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, St. Peter. And the man, and the man says, but St. Peter, I have a question. I mean, uh, really, what, what happens if this doesn't work out? Can we get divorced in heaven? And St. Peter looks at the man and says, oh, my Lord, it took me two weeks to find a priest. How long do you think it'll take me to find a lawyer in heaven? So there you go, a little, a little Tony Soderman humor. Uh, Tony, in, a, in addition to being a lifelong 50-plus-year pipe collector, was an avid duck hunter and a, a great guy to be around. Tony, you'll be missed. If you're out there collecting any specific pipe, let me know. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical, a tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented Perfect Match system. Try it at SutlifTobacco.com. Go to SutlifTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining me on the phone from uh, Mississippi, but originally from China, is uh, Henshou Xiao. Did I pronounce that correctly? Perfect. Okay, good. Uh, Henshou is uh, is well, well. We'll just get to know you because you're 
you're uh, you've got a fascinating background and lots of hobbies. So, uh, Henshaw, where did you? Where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from China, Canton, China, which is a province right next to Hong Kong. So more of the southern part of China. Yeah, very south. Yeah. Uh, and when did you come first to the United States? Uh, I believe that was like seven, eight years ago. And, and did you come here for school? Yeah, I came here for my college. And what were you? What do you? What was your college major? I belong. So now you, so you came to, and then did you went to Mississippi? Uh, no, I first went to San Antonio in Texas. Okay. And then after that, I moved to Mississippi. Um, when did when did you start smoking a pipe? Oh, uh, about six, seven years. Yeah, I've been smoking pipe for about seven years. And what was? Go ahead. I'm kind of I'm kind of young, like uh, I'm 47 right now. But you know, in China, they don't really have the like really strict regulation and the law about the age of smoking. And before I smoked pipe, I've been smoking uh, cigarettes for a long time. Yeah, and cigarettes are very popular in China. Do do most men smoke? Yes, it is. Yeah, a lot of people, especially like in the South, uh, when people dealing with business, all kind of stuff, they love to gathering together and uh, have a big dinner, drink and cigarettes. It's just really normal in those like business meetings. And then you came to the United States and you saw pipes and thought that that would be fun to try? Yeah. I was like trying to smoke pipe instead of smoking cigarettes, trying to quit cigarettes. Well, it wasn't come out that successful, but I mean, I still smoke cigarettes right now, but it's way less than before. So what did you, did you go out and go to a, a, a smoke shop and buy a pipe and buy some tobacco? Oh, yeah. There was a little shop. Uh, it was like to say tobacco shop, not really a pipe shop, yeah. some kind of discounted tobacco shop and bought a corn cup. And also, I remember my uh, very first pipe, it was a seven alley. <laughs> so, so at least you started off with a good quality pipe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in Asian culture... A lot of people, when they start a hobby, they love to get the best stuff. Well, I can't say 7 is the best pipe in the market or what, but it is a good brand. They have a real good pipe, and that's my first one. So that that's different than an American who may go and buy a very, uh, a very cheap pipe or a low-cost pipe. Instead, you bought a, yes. you bought a decent one. Uh, what did you think of pipe smoking at the beginning? Did did you like it automatically? Uh, it was kind of tough, I think. Because, you know, it, it's really easy to get tongue bite. Yeah. 
and then can't keep the lead all the time. But it's quite tough. And sure, you know, I start smoking with an aromatic. Got a lot of moisture and tobacco. It's even easier for me to get tongue bite. Yeah, but after that, I switched to Virginia, which is what I'm loving right now, and gets way better. Also, learn some some skills, some technique uh, technique in smoking a pipe. And did you did you learn those from uh, from YouTube or the internet, or did you go into a pipe shop? Uh, most of them from YouTube. I don't really have a lot of like friends around that are really smoking a pipe. Yeah. Until I moved to Mississippi and hanging out in the country squire. Yeah, now that getting a big community. Yeah. That's how I met you, because uh, John David, you were we were in New Orleans for the pipe show, and uh, and John David introduced me to you, and uh, and exactly. So, so you're lucky that you have now where you where you live, you have a great tobacconist and pipe shop right in your uh, right yes, in your town. Made made a lot of like real close friends in through the pipe shop. Uh, how many pipes do you own now? Uh, about twenty something. And and when you go back to China, do you take your pipes back with you while you're there? Definitely. <laughs> I mean, my wife already moved back to China, and I plan to go back to China next year. So when my wife moved back, she helped me to like bring a lot of tobacco. A lot of stuff on my cellar. <laughs> is, is it hard for you to bring tobacco into China? Uh, not really. But just got to pay for the tax. And, I mean, some of the good tobacco is kind of rare in China. And, I mean, China right now got a lot of uh, really experienced pipe smoker. Mm-hmm. And then they start putting, like, Cellar. They got a huge cellar, so some of the tobacco that I really like, they, cause they they put it in the cellar and like buy them a lot, so they jack up the price. <laughs> like a, a tin of uh, Full Virginia Flake from uh, Sam Gellwood. That's what I uh, one of my favorite. The price in China right now is like three four times than the the price like two three years ago. Wow, so there's a big so I, demand. I'm trying to get more. Mm-hmm. Are there tobacco shops like ours in China? Yes. China, uh, uh, smoking pipes is getting real popular right now in China. I'm from a small town in China, uh, which is Tichao. And a very small town, we still have like three real big pipe shops. Really, so if I so mm-hmm. maybe if the United States becomes uh, so becomes bad for pipe smokers, we can all move to China. Oh yeah, that was I. That's what I was talking to to John Davies. You know the FDA stuff getting getting stupid, and yeah. then if necessary, I will try to to start the pipe business in in China, and then see if I can. I can sell tobacco or any anything like 
in 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 the smoking com- uh, community sell it to America and make everyone you can smoke a pipe. <laughs> Uh, what are what are some of the popular pipe uh, pipe brands in China? Uh, I would say really close to America, but uh, one thing, China uh, like Chinese pipe smoker, they love Danish, yeah. any kind of like Danish artisan pipe. A... You know, Lord Evason, Nana Evason, this top top. Uh, Danish pot is getting real popular in China. <laughs> I mean, I I can't afford to 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 buy those kind of pipes, but that's really what people like over there. So let let's go back to what you're doing here now. Are you finishing up more school? Yeah, I, I'm done with my school. Okay, and. For uh, for hobbies, I see you like to hunt and fish and and do all that, and you're also making your own fishing poles. Yes, I did uh, start a company on making custom fishing rods. Wow! So, and do you make them all by by hand yourself? Yes. So how do, how does that work? Do you start off with a piece of bamboo and then go from there, or? Well, not not really. Uh, most of the blank I have to order from some uh, big factory, some big brand. They sell the blank, and that's the basic of a fishing rod. And then I will buy the other component, and then kind of like put them together, do the design, and also I will like custom order some blank from some factory uh, outside of the United States. Wow, so the so you have to source out all the parts and then you and then you do the assembly. Yes. And, and what it I I know very little about fishing except I know that I like to eat fish when I go to a restaurant. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how much can how much does a custom made fishing pole cost and what makes it special um a fishing rod that come out from my company uh normally will start from 350 dollars and what's really special is every rod that i made is custom designed for the fishermen uh there are a lot of like uh, fishing rod builders in america but what my specialty is I really focus on the, uh, the the performance of the fishing rod. I will like video record that fisherman uh, when they fish, how the, uh, they how they they trying to pull up the fish, how they cast, and then also focus on their target fish. And then I will start doing the design of the rod. Every rod is special made for that fisherman. Even the distance from the butt cat to the real seat, it got to measure it by how long the uh, the fisherman's arm. Oh, wow. So it is very, yeah. very detailed. Yeah, very detailed. Uh, a lot of rock builders, like in the market right now, they're doing real nice work on the presentation of that rock. They're doing really nice, uh, fancy-style uh, thread wrapping. 
I, I don't do that a lot. I will do some basic stuff, but I focus more on the performance of that rock. So by by custom measuring it and making it to exactly the fisherman, it makes it easier for the fisherman to cast it and reel in the fish and and exactly, and, and then they can aim better at where the fish might be. Yes, exactly. Is this a is this a business that you can also take back when you go back to China and make and make there? Yes. Because I know you're you're in the south, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ocean nearby. Yeah, the Chinese uh, South Chinese uh, China Sea. A lot of people also fishing over there, so I will start uh, this the same business over there and see uh, what I can do. Sure, I will still keep my American customers. Yeah, and you'll be able to ship it from China. <laughs> yeah, pay more shipping. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, food and uh, more pipe stuff with Henshaw. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog and the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Henshaw. Uh, is there a pipe on the market in the pipe world right now that you would really like to have that you don't own yet? Uh, I don't know if you still remember last year when we met in New Orleans, the Tom L. Tang small poker. Yep. That's the pipe like, what I, I really want to go get it. <laughs> so maybe maybe uh, you get one before you uh, maybe you get one before you go home. Uh, I remember last year in the New Orleans pipe show, uh, the guy from SmokingPipes.com, he offered me like four hundred uh, four hundred bucks. I can have that pipe, <laughs> but I was didn't I didn't pull the trigger. And right now, I really wish I can still have that deal and, and buy another one. <laughs> Uh, do you do you smoke your pipe every day and and do you smoke it all day long or do you is it when you have time? Uh, I smoke every day, about two three bowls every day. And if I have time to go hang out, drink a coffee in the country squire, I might smoke more. <laughs> but normally, like 
if when I need to drive like long time, I love to smoke when I drive. And like nighttime when I work on fishing rods, I love to bite on my pipe. <laughs> and sometimes you're smoking it, sometimes you're just holding it in your mouth. Yeah. Uh, now you also enjoy uh, you enjoy food, and I've seen pictures of some of the some of the food you've made. Uh, is cooking another hobby for you? Yeah, I love cooking. Like not just Chinese style cooking. I also love cook some like uh, Southern American food. Yeah, and I love I just love cooking. Not just eating them, and really enjoy the process of create some new food and then share with friends. Now, is is it common for a Chinese man to like cooking? Uh, not really. Most of, uh, in most of the Chinese family, the wife will do the cooking part. But I mean, when I was just came to America, I can find a lot of good restaurants to 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 get like really authentic Chinese food. <laughs> so I have to cook. And I also used to work in a Japanese restaurant, uh, work as a sushi chef, learn a lot of skills from that job. That really helped me to to create some some more crazy food that I love. <laughs> so, all right, so you said crazy food, and I I love Chinese food. I love sushi. What is the craziest you've ever made? Uh, snake. <laughs> snake. Uh, wait, snake yeah. sushi. It's not fishy. It tastes <laughs> like chicken. <laughs> Uh, and in Mississippi, you have a lot of snakes running around there. Yes. When I go go walk in my uh, hunting land, sometimes I found some snake. I just keep it. <laughs> and uh, you do like to hunt. Do you eat everything that you hunt? Uh, almost. I don't really kill stuff that I don't eat. So do you, and do you also uh, do you give some stuff away when you when you catch it? Uh, yeah, everything got a different way to 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 process it. Wow. So what? Uh, I mean, what Chinese food do you miss from from home that we don't have here in the U.S.? Oh, uh, there's a lot, really, a lot of like street food. You know, here even we have a lot of Chinese restaurants. And unless we're going to like a Chinatown in, in Houston or in uh, New York, normally we just can can get some normal food, not really those street food. But street food is what we grow up with. And I love making them, but just can't find a place to, to, to buy them, you know. Yeah, I found the same thing when I grew up. I was growing up in Los Angeles, and when you move away from uh -huh. Los Angeles, you lose authentic food. Uh, but now some authentic foods are coming to other parts of America, but <laughs> slowly. Exactly. I mean, when you go to New York, you can't find a good place to have a uh, southern barbecue, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> or when you live in the when you live in the South, you don't have New York style cheesecake. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so when you when you go back to uh, when you go back to China, is there an American food that you'll take back with you that you'll want to make? I I mean I haven't been to China for a couple of years and I'm not sure what kind of American restaurant they have right now. Cause it sounds like this couple of years the the restaurant market really like developed crazy, and you know we love crawfish, mm-hmm. but the way we cook crawfish in China is kind of different, and I I really already get used to our Cajun style crawfish. So I don't know if I still can get Cajun crawfish over there in China or not. So maybe you'll have to have it flown to you. Uh, I may I may call John David and tell him to shoot me some some uh, Cajun seasoning. <laughs> send some send some Cajun seasoning and uh, and a pound of pipe tobacco. Oh, exactly. <laughs> In fact, maybe we ought to get John David to make a, a Cajun seasoned pipe tobacco that tastes like crawfish. Oh, that sounds disgusting, but sure, I will try. <laughs> Just like uh, last year, the, the long smoking competition in in the country square. Uh, there's a popsicle place here called Deep South, and they make a, a tobacco flavor. Uh, popsicle. <laughs> Sounds fun, but <laughs> that was disgusting. <laughs> so it sounded good, but didn't taste so good. Yeah. Uh, was was last year your first time in New Orleans? Uh, not really. I go to New Orleans a lot, but that was the first pipe show in uh, in America I've ever been. So what did what did you think of the pipe show? It was fantastic. I saw some uh, video and, and some commercial on the Chicago Pipe Show. I didn't make it this year, but uh, the one in New Orleans, they're doing a great job. And I really, I, they, they can have it this year, but they wish they don't. But if they have they have it next year, sure, I will be there. And you know, knowing a lot of friends and then smoking a pipe, drink a couple shots with friends, I mean, that's really what we need. Yeah, and I understand you also know, you have some favorite restaurants in uh, in New Orleans, oh, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, actually, like in Country Square, a couple of us, we're going to New Orleans this coming weekend. Yep. And like Mike Armstrong, I don't know if you know him. We we all can't wait to go get some fresh oysters. So what are, what are the what are your favorite restaurants in New Orleans? Uh the Fisherman's Cave. Is that on uh, Frenchman? Uh, it's kind of no, it's not in French Quarter. It's kind of close to the train station, and they they have a restaurant right next to their uh, their seafood shop, ah. so you can. Buy buy like fresh seafood that uh, for for cooking at home from the shop, and next to it they have the restaurant right over there, really fresh seafood, and 
I mean, the price is lower than French Quarter. <laughs> so, can you pick out the piece of fish that you want to eat? Uh, I don't think they offer fish over there. They it's called Fisherman's Cave, but they still offer like uh, crawfish, uh, crab boil, this kind of stuff. Not really. Even they have a fish, they probably just grill it or fry it over there. Oh wow! So, yeah, that, now I'm hungry. Thank you. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um, are there? Uh, let's go back to pipe smoking. Are there any pipe tobaccos that you that you thought you needed to try and were going to be wonderful, and then you tried them and did not like them? The Stonehaven from Esoterica. Yeah. There was like a story behind it, sounds like, and a lot of people just spent tons of money to buy them. You know, they are like a, a really small bad company. And first time I tried it, I was like fall in love with it. But after a couple of times, I found that if I smoked, uh, I mean, uh, Stonehaven, it's just all the bow do and it's it's not really nothing besides just the sweetness from from Virginia tobacco. Huh. But uh, after a couple of years, I tried it again and I fell in love with it again. <laughs> it's really smooth for me, like not getting any tongue bite. And sure, I still taste that sweetness, but I also taste. Some, some more stuff from that tobacco. And I, I'm trying to buy some more <laughs> for my fella, but really, you know, it's hard to get them. So, so that's proof that uh, a couple of years of aging on pipe tobacco and it changes it completely. Yes. Especially Virginia. Yeah. When I... it put in the cellar and a couple of years later, you get some prune on the tobacco. This stuff is just crazy. <laughs> Henshaw, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions, and there's no right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever you want to answer. Are you ready? All right. Yeah. What is your favorite pipe? Mm, rocks pipe. Yeah, that's made right there the one, in... Uh, uh, made in, yep. in Mississippi. Yep. Made. John Michael and Two Comp. And what is your favorite tobacco? Full Virginia Flake. That that seemed like that was coming. Um, what is your favorite drink? Uh, coffee. Is is coffee hard to get in China, or is there a lot of is is there a lot of coffee places? Well, not really. Actually, in China, when I get, I heard from my my friends, they got like a lot of really good coffee shop in China. Like, some of them even better than, than America. Wow. See, that good. So you can smoke a pipe in China, you can get good coffee, I don't know what else you need. Um, uh, I need some whiskey. <laughs> well, we can work on that for you. Um, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Oh, movie. 
is there a particular type of music that you like or Country music. That's that's going to be hard to get in China too. Yeah. <laughs> we we may have turned you into an American. Uh, I wish I can come back here, buy a piece of land, and raise some cows with my wife when I, when I retire. Any time. Uh, last question is: uh, Do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory? Um, I would say just go to country squire. Every time I I walk into that shop, hang out with friends, it's going to be a great experience. But I uh, really not a, a particular one. Yeah, you are you are lucky to have a store like that right near you. Yeah, country squire is just a great, fantastic shop that we can have in a in a, a small city. Yeah, uh, Hencho, is there a place on the? Uh, do you have a website for your fishing rods? Yes, uh, mtcustomrod.com. I don't really have a. Uh, I have the website ready, but I don't really have a lot of picture or, or material that can browse my my product. So the best way to contact me is still by email or text message or even can call me and anyone want to want to buy a fishing rod or just want to talk about custom fishing rod more than welcome to to get in touch with me and we'll put links and all that information in the uh, show page down below so that people can get a hold of you thank you so much Brian. Hancho, thank you for joining us and uh hope to see you in chicago all right. And we'll be back in just a minute. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. This is Internet Radio. We are back, and, you know, again, I love the uh, the openness and the welcoming aspect of this community. I mean, you get a guy like Hencho who's from, you know, all the way across the globe from uh, Jackson, Mississippi, but he finds a finds a home and a connection with a great bunch of people because, you know, we all share smoking pipes. And uh, not only that, he's just really fun to talk to because, I mean, just so many vast and varied interests and passionate about them all. All right, for music, um, we're we're taking a we're taking a detour tonight. Normally, I try to find some pipe smoking related music, and you know I've detoured a little bit lately because yeah, I get a little bored and I start listening to other stuff. Well, over the weekend, I went back into listening to some Mel Torme and came across an album that Mel did, and it's it's got to be back in the fifties and sixties, and it's called. Uh, Mel Torme's California Suite. Uh, it's songs all about 
different areas of California and when he moved out there and what he thought of it. And it kind of reminded me of some of the classical music that I like, the, the pastorals or the, uh, the, the program music that kind of describes or tells a story. Um, anyway, uh, Mel Torme's California Suite. The song that I found is uh, funny to me because it's called San Fernando Valley. And that's exactly where I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. And this is going to be dated back to a time when it was still agriculture was out there and the movie studios were out there and it was relatively just a quiet little chunk of land north of L.A. and uh, very different. So any of you that have been to L.A., know the San Fernando Valley, listen to the words of the, the great Mel Torme singing San Fernando Valley. city streets and you crave elbow space there's a restful valley that with your approval meets Sunday night is the time San Fernando's the Thank you. 
I was young, we used to uh, go horseback riding in the San Fernando Valley. And now, if the uh, at one point the San Fernando Valley a couple of years ago was thinking about leaving Los Angeles and separating, and it would have been the eighth or ninth largest city in the United States. That's how busy that uh, quiet little quaint place for elbow room has become. You've got mail. Pattern baldness. In the mailbag, we've got a bit of a scattered and uh, scattered and splattered mailbag. That's a Waffle House reference because I'm now hungry. Uh, going back to Mark Tinsky last week, Casey Ghost wrote, "Good show as always. Never had the problem with cube cut tobacco that you described. Just gravity feed the bowl, no tamping, and you are good to go." Uh, Mark Tinsky is an interesting guy. If you ask for a straightforward repair job, he can do it. I had him do a stem for me, and he did the repair very quickly. Uh, he did the Casey Club's club pipe a few years ago, and he did a very good job. Uh, the English language can be tough. It's like when people call something unique when they mean not very common. Yeah, or uh, extra special, or uh, very unique. Anyway, uh, Dan's right on uh, all accounts there. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, Mark in Fishing Flies ought to meet up with uh, Henshaw and the Rods and Reels, and the two of them can uh, go into business a little bit. All right, backtracking to uh, Mike McNeil. Uh, Bluegrass Brian writes two things regarding this show. It's the third time I've listened, as I love this interview. <laughs> I, I'm just laughing at listening to uh listening to mike for three times um he goes on to say i'd love to smoke a bowl and talk tobacco with mike another is the ka pipe review uh, i just bought my first ka and i'm awaiting its arrival it's the most beautiful uh, pencil shanked lavat i've ever seen and it can't get here soon enough uh do let us know when it gets there so that we can uh uh, so that you can give us a review on it. All right, and uh, Steve Davenport wrote to me on uh, last Wednesday, said, Brian, your rant at the end of this week's show stuck a, uh, struck a nerve, a nerve that was still a bit raw from the Summer Olympics a couple months ago. The words you were ranting about, best, greatest, and classic, like you said, are all based on one's opinions in a word they're subjective. They can't be measured, and your greatest may well be different and most likely is different from my greatest, although I also favor Virginia Perique's so on that we may be somewhat closer in our opinions. Uh, he goes on to say, My beef with the Olympics is all the sports that have subjective scoring, gymnastics, rhythmic gymnastics, synchronized swimming and diving, among others, during the summer games and figure skating, ice dancing, and most of the snowboarding events during the winter games. They're all scored based on whims and opinions of a panel of judges deciding which is better instead of being scored in a manner that can be accurately measured, like the track and field events, swimming, archery, and shooting. Even events like Greco-Roman wrestling, boxing, karate, judo, and jiu-jitsu are sports in which points are awarded for, uh, to the competitors for certain criteria and not just the whims of the judges. Okay, don't get me wrong here. I don't dislike the subjective sports. I just don't care for the subjective scoring. As long as folks realize that's how they're scored and that they're not scored by some definite measure, carry on. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Uh, you know what I always thought with the uh, gymnastics and the 
uh, and the ice skating and stuff like that. It ought to be based off of the uh, off of the sound of the applause. Uh, you know that that to me is the winner. The winner is the one that got the audience to move the most, and uh, that to me is the uh, the way to judge a pipe tobacco. If it gets me to, you know, get up off my butt and actually go buy some, I mean that's a real winning pipe tobacco right there. Uh, good comments. Um, and then going back about a month and a half ago, uh, Richard wrote in, Hello, Brian, listening to one of your Pipes Magazine radio shows, you mentioned that LED lighting did not harm vulcanite stems. I was unaware of this. My primary cabinet has incandescent dimmable lighting, which I do not use for this very reason. Where did you hear about the LED option and effect on vulcanite stems? Well, um, here's what I know. Uh, sunlight is the harshest form of light. Incandescent actually glows yellow and does cause that oxidation and it heats up so it takes some of the oxygen out of the air. Um, uh, fluorescent is kind of a greenish hue and doesn't get nearly as hot but also is kind of a harsh light. LED is really just pure electricity and really doesn't have much temperature to it. I mean, you can almost touch an LED light bulb while it's on without burning your fingers. They use dramatically less electricity than anything else, and therefore, they must be absolutely better. I have not tested this, but I can tell you that in uh, museum displays where artifacts are important and stuff like that, uh, they're all using LED or those little Photoshop bulb, uh, little photo bulbs to light stuff because it doesn't really harm things. All right. Uh, oh, and by the way, I'm still working on getting my pipe cabinet together and getting it fixed up and you know, time and everything else has gotten in the way. Uh, speaking of uh, getting in the way, remember next week is all pre-recorded and it's going to be a uh, kind of a spooky, freaky Halloween special. Uh, then I'm home for a couple of days and then off to Las Vegas on, uh, November 5th, 6th, 7th for the West Coast Pipe Show in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hope you are all going to be there. I will be there. Come by and say hi. Come by and wave at me. Please make sure when you wave, you use most of your fingers. Um, and, uh, you know, start planning for the last pipe show of the year. And then... We roll right into uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and all that fun stuff. All right, I would appreciate it. It's been a while since we've had a review or a rating on iTunes, so if you can go to iTunes, please, and give us a five-star rating or review, that would be absolutely wonderful. That does help keep the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show up in the listings and helps keep it uh, visible. Share it with all your friends, as long as they're of legal smoking age, where they are. And if you have any comments or questions, please email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or you can post them right on the Pipes Magazine radio show page and have them read right here on the show. All right, in just a minute, rant time. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, 
finishes and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. here upon us in the northern hemisphere fall weather is here so it's time to get outside get outside and smoke your pipes be seen outside as a pipe smoker and smoke your pipe where people can actually see you don't hide inside and be ashamed of it get outside and smoke your pipe in fact this year for halloween those of you that live in areas where there will be trick-or-treating if the weather's nice i want you outside smoking your pipe and dressed up for Halloween as a American pipe smoker or a European pipe pipe smoker. Wherever you are, get outside on Halloween, smoke your pipe. Now, here's the benefit to smoking a pipe on Halloween that I figure is if all these anti-tobacco namby-pambies are so bothered by somebody smoking a pipe and you're the one handing out the candy to people while you're smoking your pipe, Maybe the little namby-pambies that won't want their kids near a pipe smoker or, or near tobacco will, uh, maybe they'll stay away and you'll get to eat more of the candy later on. So that's my plan. My plan is to have my pipe in my mouth, puffing away as I do my uh, normal Halloween routine of scaring kids on the front porch. But at the same time, hey, maybe some of those kids will stay away and I'll get to keep more candy. Uh, And then those kids will actually get to see what a pipe smoker looks like, although I may not be real recognizable as human at that point. But either way, we'll find out. I'll uh, post pictures of what I look like on Halloween on on my Facebook page. Uh, But do get outside. Again, it's that time of the year when the weather's nice, no snow on the ground yet, uh, not too hot. Get outside and be seen as pipe smokers so that people see that there are still pipe smokers in the world. And hey, you might actually get somebody that'll come up to you and say, you know, how do I learn how to smoke a pipe? So there you go. Get outside. Let everybody see us. Uh, and when you when they ask you about smoking a pipe, tell them about the Pipes Magazine radio show page. All right. I want to thank you all for joining us. Thank you to Hensho. And until next time. About the clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you. Tell 
Tonight's episode is brought to you by the new code word, furniture shopping. Anybody want to go?